Good evening, race fans of the internet. Uh, welcome back to episode number three now. Can you believe it, Matt? We're already on episode number three. Episode number three of Talking Dirt. Dale. Doing it for Dale. Yeah, this episode's for Dale. Matthew Pridgen with a good idea. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Ryan Williams. And joining me, as always, tonight, the, the voice of the common man's racer, uh, 604 late model standout in his own right, or in his own head, I should say, <laughs> uh, Big Papa, Matt Pridgen. Matt, welcome back to the call here for Talking Dirt, episode number three. And we have got a big, big show as we do it for Dale here. Episode number three, Talking Dirt, might be the best one yet. I kind of got a, a lot of race results to talk about. We've, uh, we've got some drama to talk about. We've got some more drama and some more drama on top of that. And it's, it, there's a lot of drama. A lot of racing news has come out as well. And, and we'll, we'll kick this one off hot. We'll, we'll start with uh, the breaking news that came out last week. Even though following a tremendously successful event on paper, it seemed, uh, Volunteer Speedway is shut down once again. Matt, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, it really looked like they did, from a monetary standpoint, it really looked like that uh, Tuesday or Thursday night race, Thursday night race, really like put them on the map but it it seems unfortunately they didn't make what they thought they'd make on it yeah it's really you know not a good thing to see um like you said last week they had record attendance and you know you think that that would kind of help out but i i guess it didn't um like I said, you hate to see it because I I was telling you before we started recording last week that that track looks like a fun track. You know, I'd like to maybe race there one day, but yeah, I guess maybe not now. Well, I, I'm sure that somebody will come along and and reopen it at some point. Um, we actually rode up there. Uh, if 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 anybody out there listens to the podcast, uh, is an old timey viewer of Wicked Fabrication, even though uh. I need to, I need to do better on that one. Um, if anybody out there used to watch our videos, remember when we went up to Eldora and or up to uh, Ohio? We did go to Eldora, but we went to Ohio, picked up a supermotor, and on the way back, uh, we went to Volunteer. They had a it was a Thursday night show for the Southern National Series in the summer, and dude, the the place the place was rocking on a Thursday night even then. And this was right before they shut down the first time uh, last year. They've shut down before, but. They shut down the first time last year, right before then, and the pits were packed, the grandstands were pretty full on the night, and there were cars out of the wazoo. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it uh, it actually rained out that night. I remember that one now. Um, that was very sad, because we paid to get in, and they, were, they offered uh, rain tickets, but we were now in South Carolina and couldn't make it back for another middle-of-the-week show. Um... But I kind of say that to to say this, guys. Take do not take your tracks in your area for granted, because you really never know when they're when the end is coming for these tracks, man. Um, I know we said it, we talked about it a lot last week in in the episode, but this just just goes to show you how quickly it can happen because nobody expected this. So so do do all you can, race fans, to to promote and to uplift these tracks because money's hard to come by right now prices went up on almost everything from just providing for our concessions uh the cost of get like fuel to sell at the racetracks 
the electricity bills for the tracks themselves, everything has gone up. And I know I've got a little in-depth knowledge. Some of you guys may as well, but everything has gone up. So help out your racetracks, promote for them. Just do your part as a race fan to prolong the longevity of the sport of dirt racing in the Carolinas and even in Tennessee, Virginia, and wherever else. Um, Matt, any, any thoughts to that really, Matt? I, am, am I wrong in a sense? No. Um, one thing I'll say is like, if you got a home track and you don't race there like you travel to race, um, and, and they, they post a flyer on Facebook, share it. I mean, you might not be going, yeah. but you can still share it and get other people's attention that might <clears throat> want to go. For example, if I'll go, you know, I, I, I say I travel, but, you know, I pretty much stick in North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, but, you know, if I see a flyer from Sumter or, Lakeview, I'll, I'll try to share it. Well, yeah, that and, and get, yeah, exactly get it attention and and let car, race racers that have never raced there see it, and even fans that have never been, dude. There's there's such a even in our little small town here. There's probably sixty to seventy percent of the population's never even been to Sumter Speedway. You I know, don't and even it's, know it's there. Well, it's kind of hard to miss if you drive down Wedgefield Road, but and even in probably Gaffney or even Lancaster or well, not really Lancaster. Everybody loves dirt racing in Lancaster, but even <laughs> in Lakeview's area, like the Nichols area or Florence, they don't really know these places are there. So, race fans, do your part as we as as me and Matt and many other people that help with tracks try to do and promote these tracks and, and help the longevity of the sport and introduce new people whenever you can. Because dude, I, I don't know very many times where a person's gone to a dirt track and said, mm, I don't think this is for me. That just doesn't happen. No, it, I, yeah, it doesn't have you. You get caught up in the thrill of the action, the, the excitement, the aura, all of it together is just mesmerizing to the body. I remember dude, first time I went to a racetrack, I was probably three years old and I fell in love with it. And the same, probably the same for Matt. His dad took him out there. Yeah. Probably the same for a lot of you race fans. Your parents took you out. Your grandparents, your great grandparents, at some points, and you fell in love with the aura, the the overall atmosphere of the racetrack. And that could be the same for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. All they have to do is be introduced to it once. That's right. That that is that is absolutely it. That's all that needs to happen. And uh, race. And I'm really hoping that that people continue to get behind that because the sport has grown tremendously in the past two years. I'll, I will say that. And it's continuing to grow and being a part of the industry. Um, it is beautiful to see. Um, so yeah, that's going to end my rant there about, about that. I'm not going to talk about that kind of stuff too much longer in the episode. So we're going to, we're going to get going right into some, some more news. Uh, this came out, I believe two days ago, this came out on Sunday, Brandon Shepard, Matt, has decided to drop off of the World of Outlaws tour. Yeah, I I heard about that too. It you know surprising him being the three time defending champ. I I do believe if 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 I'm wrong, don't hold it to me. But um, but yeah, it, it, that's surprising to see. You know, not trying to defend his past three titles, but like you were telling me earlier, you know he's leading Lucas Hole and. Got DQ'd in a World Outlaw race, so why not? Well, it was funny how both of these series kind of started out because 
the the schedules were so spread out the guys could go and race both of them right and right. Shepard was able to make I believe every race for both series so far and now he sees where he stands unfortunately got DQ'd on a don't quote me but it might have been a droop roll issue I think same as I think Overton got thrown out of a droop roll not too long ago for the second time this year like droop's getting a lot of people that's a side point but Shepard found himself in a position where it's either Hey, I can try and rebound here and, and regain it, or you know, I, I can take the lead. lead I have over here, even though I believe the championship is just slightly less money, I can add a different series that I've never won before to my resume. Right. And honestly, my my two cents, my opinion, he made the right decision. Yeah, I'm a I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I, I do think Be, he made the right decision. And and mainly because that drops him from the points lead of World of Outlaws. And it is super hard with as many guys that are as that are committed to run that entire series. It is going to be right. very, very, very hard to gain it back. That's the main reason. Right. Sometimes it, it can be extremely hard to dig yourself out of those kind of holes. So it's best to start when you ain't in a hole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Best. Of, yeah. You're 100 percent right. It's best to start when you're not in a hole. And continue to build from there, but I mean, and I'm not sure who now attains the uh, the points lead for the World of Outlaws, but that series looks pretty pretty interesting this year. Um, I know you got they've had some surprise winners. The most surprising to me was was Max Blair, a guy who's never even sniffed the dirt at Gaffney. Yeah. I don't think he come down there and won. What was it a month ago now? Yeah, I think it was on the second night. Yes, it was the second. Uh, it, was, Rock, it was the big show. Rock that was, Memorial. Yeah, it was the I twenty thousand win show. Um, like j- never even really sniffed the dirt at Cherokee. Comes down there and wins. So these guys are a lot of these guys are good at a lot of different places. If you want to talk super late models, um, speaking of some super late models, there there's actually supers uh, racing right now at Eldora. We got that on in the background. So hope you guys are watching that along with us. We'll try and give you some uh. Some play-by-play type uh, review here. Whenever they start racing again, I believe they're already done with heats at Eldora. As you're uh, as you're listening to this, or as we're recording it, um, but yeah, there were there was a lot of a lot of Carolina Super Race in action this past weekend. Matt, we'll go ahead and talk about that um, as one of our opening topics here. Before and we move on to that, that, since we're announcing about uh, Bishop doing that. I was wanting to also mention that uh, Dalton Wilson has committed to running for Rookie of the Year contention for Lucas Oil. Ooh, big money. Big money. For it's it's going to be interesting. I remember watching him racing uh, Young Guns at, at Dublin, and it, it's cool to see the progression of somebody's racing career. Well, it, not even that. Both Wilson brothers. Both Wilson brothers have all the potential in the world. Oh, yeah. Dalton's getting a, it seems Dalton's getting a slight bit more backing right now, but dude, Ethan's piloting rides for different people every single weekend. It seems Uh, uh, doing very good at it. Like, first off, I mean, you saw him pilot those, what was potential to be four rides at Carolina. I'm not sure what he did this past weekend. And then you look at Dalton, who's in a crate car at some points and now a super ride full time. Those kids all the potential in the world, they're still and they're still super young to be doing it too. Oh yeah, I don't think they're. I think they're around my age. I, I'm not sure how old they are. So, and the super racing action in the Carolinas got kicked off on Friday night. I believe that was what was that, Livonia, Matt? Yep. 
I said it last week. That. The Carolina class racing in Georgia. What's the deal? Um, <laughs> uh, Carolina crash class racing at Livonia uh, Friday night. Uh, it was the Buck Simmons Memorial for the Livonia Speedway, and they ran a very, very quick show. Uh, very smooth, very just all around great show. Uh, and the Carolina Clash main saw Zach Mitchell unveil a brand new race car. Now he went from being lights out in the Barry Wright to all of a sudden unveils this Longhorn. Night one puts it in victory lane by a margin of four and a half seconds. That's I almost. I knew he won, but I didn't know he won by that much. That's that's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Now race monitor is not telling me who finished in second right now. We'll have to go and look on the Clash page. But oh, Pearson Lee Williams, a good run for him, finished third. And then Adam Yarbrough, remember this name, you're going to hear it again in the episode. Adam Yarbrough finishes fourth. And then the rat man, Kenny Collins, he rounded out the top five for the Carolina Clash at Livonia on Friday night. And then the, uh, I think we kicked off Saturday. Um, we'll talk about Clash again in a minute. But first, so let's get right into some some results from the Ultimate Super Late Model Series at the County Line Raceway this past weekend. And how about this? I'm not. I didn't even know that they ran a super motor here. Matt Michael Rouse goes to uh, goes to Victor Lane in the number twenty three car. Dalton Wilson, as you were talking about just a minute ago, he finished second. Derek Ramey, a good run for for uh, the Rocket Man, finished third. Corey Gordon fourth. Zach Mitchell fifth. And how about Christian Thomas? That. Have you seen the uh, the new wrap on that 06 car, Matt? Yeah, I believe I sent you a picture of it. And again, Christian's a guy <laughs> that both Matt and I know a lot about. He may have sent me a picture of it. I, I'll be honest, guys, I don't remember. Um, uh, but Christian Thomas, a uh, guy that me and Matt have seen a lot. Uh, probably a, a bunch of you that are listening have as well. Been, uh, trying to get, <laughs> been lapped by him a few times, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get him to come race at Sumter, but they don't seem to want to travel that far. Uh, again, they're out of North Carolina, I believe out of Wake Forest is where Christian's from. Um, but great showing for, for car number 06 at, uh, at County line, but shout out to Michael Rouse, Michael Rouse. Uh, I actually follow their page. They, we follow each other on, on the TikTok app and they, they post some interesting stuff. So go check them out at Rouse racing engines on the TikTok. He was able to put up a fantastic drive. And take it to uh, Victory Lane at County Line. Dalton Wilson again coming home second there. So that that was the ultimates for the weekend. But that same night, Matt, or that same night, there were what was it? Four uh, super late model races in the region. I think sat, yeah, Saturday there was four super late model races because you had the ultimates at County Line. You had the Southern All Stars at uh, Smoky Mountain. They co-headlined with. With the Steel Block Bandits, you had... No, 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 I thought it was the other one. No, the Southern All-Stars. They were at uh, they were at Smoky Mountain. The Southern National Series was at... Let's see if I can find it here. Okay, Matt, let's talk about the uh, the Schaefer's Oil Southern National Series next, because you, uh, you had Ultimates, they were at County Line. You had Southern All-Stars, they were co-headlining with the Steel Block Bandits at... Smoky Mountain. You had the Carolina Clash. They were at Traveler's Rest on Saturday. And you had two nights of the Southern National Series this past week. I forgot to talk about them from uh, from Friday night. But you had, who was it, Carson Ferguson win Friday night, I believe? At, uh, let's see, where did Carson win at? At Crossville. 
So that, that was Crossville Speedway in, uh, in Crossville, Tennessee. Carson Ferguson, you want to talk about this guy before the show started. He got his first super late model win, finally. Uh, we were just talking about him, what, last week or the episode before that? Yeah, yeah, we, we were. Carson's a guy, dude, so much potential, first off. Partnered oh, yeah. with Wesley Page and now has finally gotten the monkey off his back and won a super late model race, but he currently leads the points with the uh, the Schaefer's Old Southern All-Star Series, too. So you can't count this guy out anywhere you go. And now that he's kind of found his groove, I expect a lot of very, very big things out of Carson Ferguson. Um, and huge win but, Friday night at Crossville. You know what they say, once you get the first one, the rest come easier. Oh, 100%. And the the kid's been, been winning in races in the crate rakes for years now. And just to see him jump up and finally get that, uh, that uh that first super win it's pretty pretty mind blowing and uh pretty like i don't know i don't i don't want to say self explanatory but it's it's pretty indicative on the career path of young Carson Ferguson and then the uh the Southern National Series did so much super late model racing the Southern National Series was back again Saturday they they like to they have been for years now running back-to-back shows on back-to-back nights, and they continued it this year by Saturday going to Clarksville Speedway, where uh, Jaden Frame, a name that I'm not too familiar with, he ended up taking the victory there over Brian Shirley, who finished second, and then another top three for Carson Ferguson. So I think he had all podiums this past weekend. Yes, he did. This past weekend he did, because they, they raced twice with the Southern uh, National Series, and he finished, what, first and third, so... A podium weekend for Carson Ferguson grows the points lead with the Southern National Series, and they let's see, they don't race again until May the what it, will it be seventh, the day before Mother's Day, so May the seventh. So Ferguson's got a little bit of time to run some other stuff uh, this coming up weekend. So yeah, that that was the Southern National Series. Now let's get into the Carolina Clash a little bit. We talked about them from Friday night. They raced again Saturday, this time at Traveler's Rest. And Matt, we talked about TR a couple weeks ago. A place that not many people really know about, but if you know about it, you know that it's good. And the Carolina Clash put on a spectacular show at uh, Traveler's Rest. And finally, after I don't know how long he's been in the Super Game, probably four or five years, the Denver Dirt Slinger, Adam Yarbrough, takes his number 57 the same number 57 car that I think we've seen him drive for the last two years. That car finally goes to victory lane with the Carolina Clash. So big, big congratulations to Adam Yarbrough and all his fans. Uh, this one was a long time coming. Matt, are you familiar with Adam Yarbrough at all? Yeah. Um. I, if I'm not mistaken, and I know he, he probably don't care to hear it. He might think this is funny. I don't know. But when I think of him, I think of him at, Bristol last year when Wheeler <laughs> got stuck on his car. Yup, yup. But I I have seen, you know, being in a 604, you go do a lot of um, port class racing, and yep. and there'll be World of Outlaws, Ultimates, this, that, and the other. And so I have seen him race a good bit, and, you know, it, it made me happy to see him get his first, you know, super win. That, oh, yeah. that we know, You know, that we know of. It might not be his first super win. It is it is his first super win, yes. Okay. It was it was his first super win. He 
He raced a little bit with like the lower series, like Blue Ridge and some other limited series. And I think he raced crates for a little while too, but beforehand, but now finally getting that first super win, it's honestly all down for downhill from here. I mean, he did, he bested guys like Zach Mitchell and, oh. and copious others. So that was a big, big statement there for, uh, <laughs> for Adam Yarborough. Um, let me see if I can pull up the full results here. Give you guys the top three. Uh, Adam Yarbrough, Kenny Collins, Ross Bales. So another big-name driver that that was bested by Yarbrough on the night. Uh, Fayetteville winner from a week ago, Johnny Pursley finished fourth. And then Dale Timms, the dark horse, uh, a Lawrence local, goes out to TR, finishes fifth. So a uh, big shout-out to Dale Timms. I know uh, Banjo raced against him at Screven. That was a great race. We also got waxed by him at Lawrence when we went to race a limited car last year. So... Yeah, Dale Timms, another another one of those guys to keep your eye on for uh for the the time being and forward. That guy, he's got a lot of lot of potential left under the tank and is he's probably gonna pick it up here very, very soon. Now we've got a lot of other racing non uh super uh to talk about. And the first one of those is the Steel Block Bandits. They were up at Smoky Mountain, uh co headlining with the Southern All Stars. Let's see. Matt, this one was different in a sense because these a lot of these guys that are local to the Carolinas don't have much familiarity with tracks like Smoky Mountain and tracks up in Tennessee that are much, much different than tracks in South Carolina. So I was going into this thinking that the Dustin Mitchells and the uh, Willie Millikens and the Brian, uh, Brian Stricklands of the world and all, all those guys that are used to tracks like down here, they would struggle a little bit, and to a sense, that was correct, but they, some of them were also able to kind of keep the pace with, with the cars local to that area. Yeah, um, you go to er- areas that you're not familiar with. It's, it's, it can be a struggle. I don't know if you remember last year, um, Brandon Overton was on that big run, went to Fairbury, and didn't do so hot, and he admitted that you know they're not familiar with that with the track and you know the dirt and all and yeah i don't think uh, overton would be familiar with that kind of racetrack at all man's so, been racing at georgia his whole life I go know. to fairbury and you're running dirt that's way different but it, it's right. the point stands the you're exactly concept. right it's the exact same concept exactly so with the bandits, you had Cameron Weaver. I'm not familiar with this guy, but I've heard he is excellent. He kind of proves here that he won with the bandits. He finished first. First, Russell Irwin, who's a guy who's from Virginia, so probably a little more accustomed to running these kinds of tracks. Um, although he does run in the Carolinas a lot, he finishes second. Uh, Jed Emmert, not familiar with, unfortunately, uh, finishes third. And then Dirt Late Model Hall of Famer Ronnie Johnson coming home fourth. And that was interesting because coming into this, he was undefeated with the Bandits. One with them at Charlotte and uh, again up in Tennessee, I think, when they had one race there last year. So I'm not, how about Ronnie Johnson, Matt? Are you, I know you got to be familiar with this guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you know Dirt Late Model Racing, like I actually know it, you know who Ronnie Johnson is. He's an absolute legend. He's you know, not not the youngest person, but he's out there still doing it, still running up front with some of the you know big dogs, and it's cool to see. He's he's one of those people. If you're into late model racing, that you're like, man, I want to be like him. You know, just race. It's right, as I get older and still 
be competitive. Most uh, yeah, it's it's Ronnie he, Johnson. He pretty much started out in in what you call the the golden age of dirt lake model racing, and he's going through all these technological advancements that have gone through in these dirt lake models. And, and you know, sometimes people might not be able to keep up when changes like that are made, but obviously showing everybody he still he still got it. Oh, Ronnie absolutely has it. He's still winning almost weekly. It's oh, yeah. it's insane here. But another, they actually had two Dirt Lake Model Hall of Fame drivers race with the Bandits this past weekend. Uh, old Skip Arp was driving a number 31 car. He finished sixth. Uh, Dustin Mitchell actually rounded out the top five. So another good points night for the current points leader with the Steel Block Bandits. And uh, although it wasn't a win, uh, Mitchell's got to be happy going to a place that he was most likely unfamiliar with going in. Uh, with the with the fifth place finish there, but yeah, another Dirt League Model Hall of Famer, Skip Arp, was with the Bandits. Um, going further through here, let's look at some of these other drivers that are in their points shake up. Derek Quaid finished thirteenth, and Michael Batten fifteenth, and then Willie Milliken. I guess a disappointing night for him. Finishes back in the nineteenth position, a lap down, so semi disappointing there for uh, for Willie Milliken. And that that was the Steel Block Bandits from the other night at Smoky Mountain. And then they also, I don't even think we talked about this one a moment ago when we were talking about supers. They had a super late model race too. That First of all, what a crazy event. You're double headlined by not only the Steel Block Bandits, which is a show in itself. You've got the Southern All-Star Super Late Model Series, which recently got taken over by Race XR, and they're putting money into this thing. The Southern All-Stars are back, Matt. You, I don't know how how from or how big you were into the sport. Southern All Stars used to be a tremendously huge deal, and for a while it just kind of lingered there as like the the third or fourth super late model series, and now it's kind of thrusted back into prominence because they they were they're seeing very good car counts, and you had uh, Garrett Smithy was up there. You, who else was up there? Jensen Ford, Dakota Knuckles, Vic Hill ended up racing Matt Dooley. You had uh, Billy Weaver Franklin. Cameron Weaver was in the race as well. He finished ninth. Let's see who else John we had. John Blankenship, another big name. Michael Chilton, Jason Croft, but they were all bested by brother of Mike Marler, Cameron Marler, in car number ninety nine. So that that's a big statement win for for driver ninety nine there at Smoky Mountain, taking home the win. Now that kind of wraps up. What's that, Matt? And I didn't realize John Blankenship still raced. Funny, funny, uh, fun fact for you, real quick. My the car that I'm currently driving, when it was brand new, it was raced by John Blankenship in a uh, Double Down Motorsports back in 2014 in the Lucas Oil Series. Really, a um, little fun fact. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save that and use it as a trivia question when you come to race with us. Okay, I'm gonna do that. So just just people who listen to the podcast will understand it. Um, <laughs> moving forward, let's talk a little bit about the Carolinas here, and we'll stick to South Carolina first off. Let's talk some some racing. Let's talk Lakeview here, Matt. I know you were in attendance on this night, so kind of take us through what happened at Lakeview, and then we'll get into some of the drama that ensued with the night as well. All right, yeah. So I went mainly to you know just to check out the six o twos and see what kind of lap times they were turning versus what I was doing in my 604. Um, you know, actually some pretty good racing. Um, and, and along with other tracks, 
some some drama occurred, but we'll get into into that in a in a minute. Now, I want to start off with the results from the SCDRA five thousand win race. Okay, that race actually really good. Not many cautions. They got through fifty laps pretty you know pretty quickly, which you know it honestly. And I know this sounds bad, but honestly, it's surprising. But, you know, glad to see. So, pretty much, the guy who finished second, the entire 50 Andrew laps, Smith. was glued to the rear bumper of, of, of your, your winner. But, uh, who ended up being the 22 of Wayne Risner? Risner? I'm not sure how uh, to Risner. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Risner. Risner. He's sim... You don't see him in a lot of the SCDRA stuff, like... A ton of it, but I think he's getting big into the series now, so that's a guy to look out for. And I think it was it John Wyndham that was on his John tail Wyndham the entire time. Yeah, yep. yeah John, and then John Wyndham's nuts. Maybe some family to your uh, runner-up, uh, Walker Wyndham, comes brothers. on third. They're brothers, okay. They are brothers, yes. He come, they, got a, they got them a 2-3 finish on the weekend. Uh, fourth, we had Reed Christensen, who... Me and you know my buddy Reed Christensen. Now let me let me talk about this guy, Matt. Okay, Reed Christensen. If you're listening, I got a bone to pick with you. You will travel eight. You will travel six hours to race at Lakeview, but you couldn't show up to one measly SCDR race at Sumter last year. What's the deal with that? I I love Reed Christensen. That's my buddy. But if he doesn't show up to the next SCDRA race at Sumter, I'm going to be very 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 upset. With Reed Christensen, who, outside of his uh, front wheel drive racing career, has started a an i racing series called the. I be, let's see, I'm in their Discord. Let's let's see the name of it. The Southern Ford. Outlaw. Nope. The Southern Outlaw uh, Auto Racing Association. They they do uh, ARCA cars and such on i racing. So if you're into that kind of stuff, go check out that league on the i racing league page. But uh, yeah, Reed, a freaking great guy and a very very talented. Uh, front wheel drive racer. He's done great at scrubbing and and, prim- and a, a bunch of times has done freaking awesome at Lakeview. I'm still I'm waiting on him to get his first win in the series because that's going to be a joyous occasion for myself, Reed's wife and family, Michael Crouch, everybody that's friends with him. Uh, cannot wait to see Reed getting Victor Lane. And another guy can't wait to see get wait to see him Victor Lane with SDRA is Michael Crouch, who I'm still waiting on that right. to happen. He had it in the bag at Sumter last year, and it slipped away from him. I hope he, that he's going to be able to get back out and do it again this year. But another guy, uh, we hadn't talked about him yet, that did really well in the main event was Dalton Hodge, a local to Sumter, Matt. Oh, man, he he was he was moving through the field. It, I swear he was. He um, I, I Where I was standing at, I was standing in the middle of three and four, and, you know, I was watching – I. I don't know if he saw me, but I was trying to give him some signals, tell him to get down. He was running a little high through three and four, but you know, still all in all, he he had a fantastic run. I'm wouldn't surprise me if he had hard charger. I don't know if they had an I, actual award for that. I don't know but. if they had one, but he sh- should have definitely got it. Started at the tail end after looking up catching a provisional. Now <laughs> I talked to him afterwards. He said, "Dude, I don't know how I got the provisional, but they gave it to me." And, um, yeah, he ended up going from what I th- it was dead last on the field to eighth. So, yep, really good run eight. for him. And, and then rounding out the top five is the three car of Billy 
Tidwell, Tadwell? Yeah, Tidwell. Yeah. Um, so moving on to, sorry, <laughs> moving on to the 602 Modifieds. Oh, oh Modifieds, oh, I was about to say, you leave those late models, we're talking about them last. <laughs> so 602 Modifieds saw Jonathan Ward, you know, just absolutely dominate. Uh, then you had Dustin Watkins coming in second, Mike Beasley in third, Tyler Davis fourth, and Jackie Gerald rounding out your top five. Jackie Gerald, that'll be that's Gerald Farms, correct? Yep, that is Gerald Farms. That Gerald is Farms. That then another another YouTube page slash TikTok to check out, guys. Gerald Farms, great friends of of Wicked Fab and also myself at Talking Dirt. Um, definitely check out Gerald Farms. Um, those guys do freaking cool stuff. Oh yeah. All right, and then um, moving on to the. The the first controversial class of the night. Oh boy! Oh boy! This is gonna be fun. Um, I know what you're talking about now. The uh, stock V8 class saw uh-huh. the 187 of Mr. Rocky Gasquet start in the twelfth position, and then just drove all the way up to win the race with Jaden Locklear following behind him, Blaze Bryan in third, Jay Rowell in fourth, Chip Finoff. In fifth, I yep, apologize no. if yep. if I pronounced your name nope, wrong. You said you said it right. I've said his name before over the loudspeaker. Chip Finoff, yep. So where the drama entails is that when after or before the victory lane po- photos were ta- taken, I was standing up there and I heard someone say something about maybe claiming the motor and claiming the shocks, but I don't think that oh. went through. And then someone else claimed the shocks and, you know, a lot of throwing around of, how do I put this? A little bit of, he said, she said, yeah, kind of, you know, a couple of people's got, you know, some bad blood with each other and you, you hate to see it, but someone ended oh. up, did end up buying their shocks. I think they also had a visual protest that uh, he passed. I'm I'm pretty sure he did. I, um, but yeah. So that's 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 pretty much it for the stock V8 class. And um, then we get into even more drama. Matt, continue, please. The six oh two. Late models. I, I, um, I, I, I back it up. You got street stocks. I want to hear that. Oh, drama sorry, sorry, first. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, street stocks. How could I forget? So, you find it. First off, I want to preface this by um, the driver who crossed the finish line in first is a decent friend of mine. Uh, I have nothing wrong to say about him, but Matt will finish the story. Yeah, he. So. The person who crossed the line first was the 118 of Cameron Holloway. And I'm not sure what kind, if they were just checking everybody, um, because I think everybody in the top three got their shocks checked. And I believe he got tossed for having a bump stop inside of his right rear correct. shock. Yes, correct. So that which leaves is, the, which is to clear this up a little bit. It's a semi-new rule for Crusa. 
Well, they, yeah, they, yeah. They just really incited it. I think it was a month ago. And a lot of people yeah. don't know about it yet. So that's most likely the case. Because I know this this so guy. Communication. He's Cameron's always been on top of his stuff. I've seen him win plenty of races at Sumter and everywhere else he's been. He's always been on top of the rules. And it's unfortunate to see. But it it was a little, little, uh, little drama to talk about. So... With him being disqualified, that gives you your winner of uh, the M1, Daryl Moran, who is pretty much on a roll this year. I I think he's won pretty much, I, I believe he's won every race, street stock race at Lakeview so far this year. Don't quote mm-hmm. me on that. But then in second place, the 38 junior of Tyler Dole, who is in a new car this year, and it is turning out to be, you know, pretty good for him. In fourth place, you had the 48 of Michael Butler, and rounding out your top five, the 14J of Joey Wilkes, aka Smurf, aka Smurf. So, yeah, that was, from what I understand, a pretty entertaining street stock race back behind Cameron. Okay. So, yeah, hats off a lot to of good race. Hats off to Lakeview. They they put on some pretty good races last weekend. So now that you've gotten all that out of the way, I will grace you with the honor. Let's talk about the start of the 602 late model race. And again, this was the GM Performance 602 late model series. Who you're, you guys are going to see if you uh, come out to the Tough Soul Dirt Track in the South Sumter Speedway this Saturday night. Uh, last Saturday, they had an interesting start, Matt. You were there in person. What happened? So, as as I stated before, okay, let me start off with this. Dan, yeah, no, yeah, Daniel Parker in his 10 car sat it on pole. Um, the 17 of Zach Blackwell was outside pole, David Smith was third, and Justin Mintz was qualified fourth. Mm-hmm. He apparently on the first lap, I... I couldn't see from where I was standing. I I couldn't see what happened. I anyways, so apparently in a video from what I saw is both your front row cars looked like they were stuck together and headed straight for the inside wall at the crossover, like where the guardrail starts back. And it it I'm pretty sure it it, it hurt that the Daniel Parker's car pretty bad. I mean, it the right side of that thing was just a mangled mess, man. Well, Blackwell's car looked like it took the most damage there. If I'm being honest with you, no. the entire front clip looked like it came off of that car. Well, the 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 front bumpers on the dirt late models meant to shear off, so that way sure. it it doesn't bend the frame. So it's it's not really if you get lucky, it's not that much damage. Um, but Daniel Parker hit the whole entire right side. I'm pretty sure he could have been sitting in the driver's seat and hold the door panel up on the right side. Oh my Lord. Yeah. The the right side of that car was, like I said, just a mangled mess. And then I I know another video that I'm assuming got pretty popular on Facebook was the driver, Zach Blackwell getting out and confronting Daniel Parker. Um, not much happened out of that. I think Zach banged on his car a few times and then walked back to his car. So I don't think any fights happened. 
you know, the well, not the, good at breaking it up. Not to cut you off here, but I have heard from some sources, I won't name them, but I have heard that there is a very, very long history between these two guys. Oh, really? And that, I mean, if you just watch the start of that race on, uh, on the video, it was, it was real. it looked very chippy. It looked like both of these guys were trying to make the other make a mistake as they came to the line and hooked together and off they went. So not sure exactly what happened between the two of them, but yeah, it ended very, very badly for them. But luckily it ended very well for somebody else, Matt, who ended up going to victory lane that night. Well, after the wreck happened, like I said, I couldn't see it. But what I could see was Justin Mintz in the 28 coming out of turn two. And he was just about pretty much the only car that, <laughs> that made it through. Um, I think the 11 car got back together and finished the race. I think when they took the restart, I think he started first and Justin was second. Justin got the jump and led flag to flag for the win. With Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not. Okay. Justin Mintz takes the win. David Smith coming home in second. Cameron Norris in third. Daniel Adam in fourth. And Baron McDowell in fifth. So that those were the uh, that was the top five for the G Performance 602 late model series. They uh, rounded out the night at uh, Lakeview as Matt went over. So a, g- a good race for them. And uh, I can't wait to work with Walter in the in the series as they come to Sumter. This weekend, that that's a, a growing series and a they're they're a small fish in a big pond, but they're a they're a fish that's got teeth and they are going to get a lot bigger as time goes on. So y'all y'all latch onto that Gym Performance Six Hundred Two series for as long as you can because that thing is going to the moon uh, very very quickly. Now let's talk a little bit about before we get into Sumter, let's go over Lancaster this past weekend. They had a, a local show. Um, uh, so, uh, they call it a Saturday Night Light show. I love Lancaster's branding. First off, um, they 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 reference everything. They make it all make, seem legit. Saturday Night Lights. They name all of their regular shows that. So that's pretty cool. In uh, in my opinion. So let's go over some of these uh, main events. And I'm only seeing two on Race Monitor. Renegade, another classic battle between. Uh, well, actually, this one's Timbo Mangum and Jason Gulledge. Brandy. Baker ended up finishing third there in Renegade, but another classic uh, in the Renegade division with uh, Jackson Tomasin and uh, Andy Winderl rounding out the top five there. Then uh, they actually ran vintage uh, cars on the night, and Sean Mangum goes to victory lane there with Johnny Starkey, Andy Stegall, Chris Fincher, and uh, Elias Grant in tow there. And I'm going to actually check out their Facebook page to find the rest of the winners here. And while I do that, Matt, uh, you, you talked about... Uh, not racing for the the rest of the the month here until after Darlington and Mother's Day and all that. Now I put out some big news this morning. I'm trying to kind of make you rethink that decision a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm still undecided on what I want to do. Um, because like I said before, you know, the cost of tires, the 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 struggle of actually finding the tires sometimes if your main supplier doesn't have them is you know it's a real struggle. This this year more so than it really has been in the past um you know fuel's not cheap the fuel to get there's not cheap 
like for my truck, obviously with gas prices going up, uh, and my truck only gets five ga- five miles to the gallon when I'm pulling the trailer. Um, <laughs> so there, there's a lot of variables that that are playing into this weekend on if I do get to race or if I don't. One also is my mom's side of the family is having kind of a little family reunion, <clears throat> and so my dad won't be able to go. So I don't have a pit crew set up right now to go with me. Um, I'm sure I could get a couple friends to go, but, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, there, there's just a lot of stuff playing in, into this weekend and I, I'm just, I, I can't make up my mind on what I want to do just yet. Well, we, we certainly hope to see you there. And I know the race fans do as well. Cause you're one of those guys that's pretty, pretty well loved at, at, at Sumter Speedway and even other tracks. Uh, like Lakeview and and some others up that way. So let's get back into Langster now that I found the uh, now that I found the final results. In Thunder Bomber, Hunter Funderburg went to victory lane with Dylan Montgomery, uh, last week's winner in tow. Brent McAteer, Justin Kaziah, and Dylan Howie rounded out that top five, and then they uh, had ten limited late models. So a great car count for Lancaster in late model once again. Wes Helms goes to victory lane over Kevin Godwin, Mark Green, Chris Fight. And Zach Sloan in the limited late model division. Then they ran Crate Sportsman's with uh, Jamie Tomasin going to Victory Lane over Jacob Cato, Ronnie Plyler, uh, Bryson Sweat, and Avery Baker. And then they had Pure Stock as well. Man, a big show for Lancaster. Man, oh man, divisions on divisions. Pure Stock had Jason Tolbert going back to back, winning again. Uh, Britt McAteer finishes second. Colby Waits, Dean Davis, Wally Cook rounding out. The uh, top five there in Pure Stock, and then in the Hornets, uh, Brad McBain is back in victory lane over Dan Benson, Zach Sloan, Gavin Key, and Demarcus Izzard for Lancaster. Um, so yeah, another another good show for them. There's a couple of other tracks that I want to talk about as well. First one being um, Lawrence County Motor Speedway. They had a, a big show that I believe included the 602 Thunder Series. Um, they had a big, uh, mini stock race. So a lot of, a lot of good stuff came out of the Red Eubanks Memorial at the Lawrence County Motor Speedway. And let's look at a couple of main events here. Thunder Bomber Futures, Justin Wren goes to Victory Lane over Ricky Phillips, Brian Lambert, CY Johnson, and Bobby Anthony rounding out the top five there in Thunder Bomber Futures. And then the, the Monster Minis, Kevin Cooper, who's a big name up in that, uh, up in that region. He comes home first. Not pro late model Hall of Famer, but still a Ronnie Johnson. He finishes second. TJ Teal third. Stacey Brock fourth. And Cody Wilson finishes in the fifth position in the Monster Mini Stocks at Lawrence. Then we go to the, the Young Guns. They raced as well with Trenton Jamison going home in the uh, with the win there. Thunder Bombers, they had a bunch of Thunder Bombers show up for this one. Um, and I believe Benji Knight, well, yes, Benji Knight goes to victory lane. In Thunder Bomber, so that's what now wins at three different racetracks for Benji Knight this year. So that driver, yeah. that man's that man's on a mission here. Grant Burton comes home second. Chris Patterson, Stetson Todd, and Rod Tucker, old Hot Rod, rounding out the uh, top five there in Thunder Bombers. Then you had front wheel drives racing as well with Justin Harris going to Victory Lane over Travis Jamison, Brandon Seibert, Reggie Twing, and David Perry in uh, front wheel drive for the. Uh, at, at Lawrence for the Red Banks Memorial, then 602 Crate Late Models, Kevin Stevens 
Billy Rushton, Luke Cooper, Brian Grumbles, Larry Timms rounding out that top five there for 602 crates. And then in the limiteds, I had six cars show up with Nick Dietz going to Victor Orlando with Frank Coates, Chris Morgan, Billy Rushton, and David Cannon. That was at uh, Lawrence County Speedway this past weekend for the Red Eubanks Memorial. So a good show for them. Lawrence, a place that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Um, I've got a special love for their announcer up there. Dude's doing some fantastic work with his interviews on Victory Lane after the races. He does great during the races as well. So shout out to Lawrence, a place that I always love going to and and watching. And a place, honestly, Matt, if they ever run 604s, I think you should you should go try that place out. Oh yeah, for sure. It's one of those again, another one of those tracks that I would like to one day race at. They um ran six oh fours back in the day. I remember uh the limited late model winner Nick Dietz. I remember going up there and watching him race the six oh four class up there. And you know, they, they went away from that, got six oh twos and limited, so you know, maybe one day Exactly, maybe you know, one day. Maybe one day. Or now, who knows? Maybe in a super. <laughs> ah, you never know. Somebody wants to put some money into Matt Prince and let him know. Um, <laughs> so now we'll talk about uh, Sumter Speedway, which is my home track. I was on the call for these races. We had the the Carolina Sprint Tour visiting, and very surprising, uh, a great car count for Sprint cars at Sumter. We had 14 show up. Um, dude, I love Sprint car racing, Matt. I, I'll be honest. It's not... I love it in a sense where I wouldn't sit down and watch it every single day like I would late models, but when I get to see it, it's fantastic. You oh, know, yeah. it, if it's sprint cars, they're really, really cool, and they shut up in full force, and this is where we get our first piece of drama from Sumter. Okay? Hold on now. Hold on. I want to know, what what's the comparison between lap times between a super late model <laughs> at Sumter <laughs> and a, what, what, a 305 sprint car? Yeah, okay, so the 305 sprint cars, now take in mind they're probably a 1,000 pounds lighter and got the wing and more downforce, aerodynamics, blah, 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 blah. But I say that to say this, your quick time in qualifying, we're not even talking, actually, we'll just talk hot laps. Your quickest time in hot laps for the sprint cars was two-tenths better than our current super late model track record at Sumter Speedway. 305 sprint cars. A smaller motor than a super late model, Wait, but way a lot, way a lot less, and more aerodynamically capable. And they're easily two tenths better than a super late model at Sumter. These guys were flying, Matt. Let me just tell you, these guys balls to the wall, flying around Sumter Speedway's uh, three eighths mile. These guys put on a spectacular show. Um, and they raced, they didn't qualify. They they ran heat races with passing points, which is actually pretty cool. I, I do like to see passing points play effect, but not quite in this way. Sean Vardell, um, it, it, it was mentioned in a statement that, that Vardell, the, the owner of the series, he, he was always kind of joking about his bad luck with the draw and, and such, and he was going to have somebody else draw for him. Well, apparently that never happened. Right. So the series should have, because of that um, that violation, he shouldn't have been able to gain any passing points in the heat, but the series in the heat of the night gave him those points and put him on the pole for the main event. So that was the mistake there. And 
Vardell ended up going on and having a fantastic race with uh with Jeff Oliver for the victory, but he was able to come out on top and he went to work Plumbing Victory Lane, did the whole celebration, and then Monday the bombshell drops that Sean Vardell has been stripped of his Carolina Sprint Tour win at Sumter Speedway because of that rules violation. And uh that's kind of a tough call to match. Okay, put it into perspective. You're a series promoter. You win a race, and you're forced to tell yourself and to take a win away from yourself. How does that feel? Well, obviously, it wouldn't feel great, but at you know, at the same time, you can't you give special treatment. You, you can't know. give special treatment, even if 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 the person you're punishing is yourself. You, you just you're can't right. give special treatment. I mean, you're right, but it's it's got to have been a Got to have been a little bit harder for Vardell to take it away from himself. You know? Now, <laughs> now he started in the back of a heat race, right? Yeah, he started in the back of a heat race, came all the way up to second. So, by passing points, that was good enough to give him the pole. But oh, the, problem, okay. the problem was that he was not supposed to have attained any points through passing okay. during the heat race because he did not draw before the heat race. Failure to failure to follow procedure for the event. So for the Carolina Sprint Tour, you had uh, now official Jeff Oliver winning, Steve Cerniak second, uh, John Fruchery came home third, Richie Wisdo in fourth, and Robert Tyler. He will be crowned with the fifth place finish there. Um, so it was it was a really good show by the Carolina Sprint Tour. These guys were on the ball. Uh, they kept us going all night long. And following them, you had the Extreme Four Division, which saw now two-time winner, um, got a second in a row, Zach Berg going to victory lane. Um, I joked around with Zach after one called him a cherry picker because he went, he went to uh, he actually went to Lakeview on Friday night, figured out that he wasn't quite up to par with those guys, came back to Sumter, got himself a really, really nice win, a hard battle with Michael Bruner, who finished second, John Ledwell, Kyle Lynch, Thomas Jeffcoat round out the top five. In Extreme Four, that one was fun to call. They all the Extreme Four features at Sumter are a blast to call. Um, in late models, we actually a, a decent car count. Six late models show up. Um, and here was the interesting thing with late models: you had two cars show up a little bit late. They were Terry Cables Jr., who drives the twenty-two car, David Limble, who drives the 05. In qualifying, these guys were. Bad fast. But guess what, Matt? That. They forgot to put the transponders on the car. No, they didn't. Both that, Terry and, and David? Both Terry and David oh, forgot to put transponders man. on the car before they went out for qualifying. So those two were forced to start at the rear of the main event. Taylor Wood set quick time with a pretty good lap for a 604 crate. And in 20 laps, Terry Caples was able to come up to the second spot just shy of Taylor Wood, who won by a grand total of 0.7 seconds, seven-tenths of a second to the good for Taylor Wood as he gets his first career late-model victory. Uh, Caples comes home second. Uh, James Murphy, one of our good buddies, he comes home in the third spot. I believe fourth went to David Linville, if I'm not mistaken, and fifth went to Jeffrey Johnson in car number 94. So good run for all of those fellows. They look to do it again. Uh, this weekend as we run two uh, divisions of late models. So good luck to them once again. Following that, we had Super Street, 
This one had seven cars with Banjo Duke going to victory lane in the number seven. Ryan wins second, Drew Shealy third, Andrew Stone fourth, and Mikey Corsi rounding out the top five in the fifth spot there. Uh, Econo four saw Paul Hewlett with a crazy race with Thomas Engel. Engel came off, came off a win. His first career win was uh, two weeks ago at Sumter Speedway, and he was looking to go back-to-back, led most of the race before he was passed by Paul Hewlett in car number 78H, and these guys went to war for the win with two laps to go. Engel tried to jump to the outside, had the speed. Hewlett made a last-ditch effort. Um, I think the car actually got a little tight on him and pushed up just a little bit. But uh, Engel had to do some evasive driving to avoid going into the wall. And uh, Paul Hewlett comes out on top. A tremendous win. Congratulations to that driver. His first win of the season in the Econo 4 class. And how about this, Matt? Matt? Second year for this class, and they're already up to uh, 12 cars last week and 14 this week. So uh, y'all say what you will, but these front-wheel drive classes are growing like wildfire right now, especially the ones that are cheaper to do. Right. <clears throat> and I guess, I guess it's not something that you're very akin to, but dude, I love seeing these, these kids that really don't have all the money in the world and stuff, able to be competitive in a class that was made for the local racer by the local racer, you know, and, and that yeah. class specifically, it was started by Jody Truitt. Unfortunately he's passed away, but we've carried on his legacy in that class and it's becoming one of the, uh, the more popular mainstays. At, uh, at Sumter Speedway. Now, following that race was a Thunder Bomber main event. This one was a little bit interesting. The time limit did expire because there were a multitude of cautions. Um, and we only reached seven laps in that one. Uh, it saw Brandon Brown go to victory lane, but not without some, some controversy behind him. There was an incident coming out of turn number two with two laps to go which saw the 96 of LJ Sonneman and the 52 of Frank Aldridge both see an opportunity for the lead at the exact same time. Aldridge tried to hold his line in the middle of the racetrack, trying to get up under Brandon Brown as they headed. They went down the back straightaway. Sonneman saw the exact same opportunity and tried to split it three wide, go up underneath Aldridge. And in my opinion, there wasn't enough room coming out of two at Sumter. For that to happen, they end up touching. Sonovan spins into the guardrail. Um, a lot of people have different opinions on this. Um, I'm just seeing what saying what I saw, um, and I'll be glad to listen to other people's opinion on it. I, like I said, there could have been motives, it could have been whatever, but I'm just say, stating what I saw. Um, but all in all, that was a fantastic race. She, dude, Sonovan was quick. Sonovan in a Thunder Bomber right now. He's one of the fastest guys out there. I'm just I'm anxious to see him finally put it together and put that car in victory lane. Um, same goes for Frank Aldridge and William Disher. Those guys are quick too. Um, uh, Chucky Nicholson, he's also fast in Thunder Bomber. We got a lot of really good Thunder Bombers at Sumter. Um, something you guys should come out and check out if you uh, haven't been to Sumter yet this year. The the new Thunder Bomber class, very very exciting. And once again, correct congratulations to. Uh, Brandon Brown, I believe a first career Thunder Bomber win or a first career win at Sumter for him. And following Thunder Bomber, man, this is a lot of talking for me tonight, Matt. Following Thunder Bomber, um, Modified 4, how about the research, the early season resurgence for the Modified 4 division? Dude, last year we saw like four cars, maybe five cars a week so far this year. Two races, ten cars plus each night. Wow. That's, that's great. Very, very impressive for uh, for Modified 4. Um so, 
we're going to talk about this one because it was interesting. Miles Mintz and uh, the B-18 of Aaron Weed on the front row for this one. These two go to battle for about five laps, side by side, getting into lap traffic. And then all of a sudden, something goes awry on the 87 for Mintz. He pulls it into the pits. Aaron Weed takes over the lead. He leads for about seven laps. And then all of a sudden, his engine shuts off. Just out of nowhere, Matt. Engine shuts completely off, and he's limping down the back straight away, jamming his button, trying to get it to fire back up. Uh, the triple four, Richard Burns, gets ahead of him. Uh, we finally fires the engine back up. He's back by about a half a straightaway. Gets the engine fired back up. On a rail once again, as, as he gets back to full speed, catches up to Burns, and then I guess gets into one and two just a little too hot. Sends the triple four around. We have a caution. And following the caution, the B-18 shuts off again. So he's forced to pull off, which puts, I think it was Josh Williams in the lead at the time. Yeah, Josh Williams in the lead at the time. He leads for about three laps. And then spun out, coming out of turn number four, if I recall correctly. He spun out, gave the lead to Jack Jordan, and then on the following restart with like three laps to go, here comes Richard Burns again. Burns is able to make another pass for a lead. He comes around and wins the dang thing. So four diff- or five different leaders in Mod 4, you can't ask for anything better for a class like that. Uh, that sounds like some good old-fashioned racing there. <laughs> that, that was, I know it may sound boring from the way I just explained it, but that was one to watch if you can go back and find a live video. Watch the Mod 4 race. It was very, very entertaining. And we've come to the the sort of kind of drama-filled part of the night at Sumter. Uh, final race of the evening. Uh, street Stock main event. Banjo Duke leads flag to flag in the number 7 car. Uh, Robbie Disher comes home second. Andrew Stone third. Brandon Grimsley fourth. John Harper Livingston fifth on the track. Now we get a little interesting as we come across scales. We weigh the top three after the race. Um, Duke goes across the scales, um, says that he gets a thumbs up from the scale guy. He pulls off, um, Disher does the same. Stone does the same. Those two are behind him. They, they're good. They're clean. They're clear. But then word is brought down that Duke was, uh, at the time they thought 15 pounds light, uh, car weighs 29.85, especially 3000 pounds. Um, according to, uh, cruiser rules. Now, it got a little interesting because after finding out from the, the tech man for Crusa, they do get a pound per lap of burn off. We, he would have been good, right? 15 lap feature, 15 pounds for burn off. He weighed 29.85. It would have been good, you think, right? Right. We only ran 13 laps. That's uh, that's where it gets tricky. Kicker there, yeah. you're you only run 13 laps. The time limit had expired on the race, so the white flag was thrown after lap 12. They completed 13, so he's light by two pounds. So that disqualifies Duke for that race. Um, very unfortunate there. There's been a whole controversy on it ever since, and and uh, hopefully for the track safe sake and Duke's sake, they're able to uh, kind of reconverge there for the future but uh yeah i'm interested to see the uh the response that we're going to get out of duke in the in the near future 
I know I'm very close to that race team, but I, I, I can't really say too much about what's going on behind the scenes on the podcast because that is, of course, behind the scenes. Um, and and then the the drama that ensued on Facebook, I'm not really a fan of, but uh, it has its niche and people do enjoy it at some points. Um, be it that with the street soccer race or even the late model race or whatever, there was drama there. Um, not gonna talk, not gonna give it the light on the uh, on the podcast, but uh, yeah, man. All in all, a freaking great weekend of racing. I know we rambled a lot about a lot of these races, but guys, let me tell you, they were fantastic. Oh yeah, good racing all over the place. A lot of first time winners. A lot of you know, drama, it, it, not a bad weekend of racing. Not at all. No, not at all. Um, we are excited to do it again this weekend. Matt, let's talk a little bit about, uh, some of the stuff coming up this weekend around the, uh, around the Carolinas first Lakeview. They are running, what is it now? The, uh, the best family farm stock V8 shootout or something like what, what are they calling it exactly? Matt, have you, you seen this? Uh, I haven't looked at it just yet. I don't. I don't get on Facebook too much. Uh, if you see me commenting on Facebook most of the time or making posts most of the time, it's my dad doing it. I'll <laughs> let him use my account. Um, so I, I, I typically don't get on Facebook, but but no, I, I don't. I'm not. Well, too let's sure see if I can find it between all of John Lovett's confirmation posts. Um, let's see. Yep, uh, the best family farm stock V8 race this weekend at Lakeview, fifteen hundred to win in the stock V8 class. So that that's going to be fun, and they also have two thousand dollars to win in late models. Now that is the Steel Block Bandit rules late models. So those cars are going to have some fun there as well. They're also running uh, SCDRA front wheel drives, Bell and Bell Vintage Modifieds, uh, Junior Sprints, and Powder Puff. So interesting there, Powder Puff racing again at Lakeview Motor Speedway. Um, let's go over, let's check out some stuff from Lancaster. What do they got going on this weekend? Let's pull up the Facebook page here and check out a flyer for Lancaster this weekend. And they are hosting a touring series. The Southeastern Hornet Association is uh, going to be in the house there. 750 to win for the Southeastern Hornet Association front wheel drives. They'll also race limited late models, Renegades, Crate Sportsman, Thunder Bomber, Pure Stock, Young Guns, front wheel drive. Um, and you go over, you check out. I'm not sure if Lawrence is running again this weekend. I'll probably see something later in the week from them. Uh, Cherokee should be back in action with local classes once again. I think they're going to run double features for Thunder Bomber, if I'm not mistaken. Fayetteville's got a big show this weekend. They're partnering up with Middies to do um, Middies Madness, I think they're calling it, Matt. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be like a big Middies. I knew the 602s were going. I didn't know. Uh. Actually, now that you mention it, I do believe the street stocks will be there. Too. Middies Triple sure. Crown, Middies Triple Crown is what they're calling it. They've got uh, the uh, the Middies Six Hundred Twos, the Middies Modifieds, and the Middies Street Stocks all racing for uh, I think it's one thousand five hundred to win. Yep, fifteen hundred to win. All three of those classes at Fayetteville, and they're also running Legends seven fifty to win on the Legends as well. If you're in that area, check out Fayetteville. That's going to be a pretty pretty interesting show there. Um, let's see who else is. Re- running i believe the 602 thunder series they're going to be at tacoa so some good racing going on in georgia as well and then right here in in the homeland here at Sumter speedway we've got a really really big show uh in store for you guys if you're uh in the midlands area come check out Sumter speedway this this uh saturday evening we've got the jam performance 602 late model series they're going to be in town 
1500 to win on that, and there's a bunch of bonus money spread out through the entire field. And, um, dude, that's, that's going to be a blast. I can't wait to work with Walter and the crew there to bring you guys this show. Uh, we're also running uh, regular rules late models. Uh, those guys are going to be a uh, very good contest. It's uh, And the payout for that could be huge if enough guys show up. You've got $100 per car to the winner's pot. So if we have 10 cars, that's a grand to win. And you never know, I may throw in a bonus there as well. I'm thinking about it right now. I might find somebody else to do it too. So, uh, yeah, we're looking at a really big show there. We've also got all of our local classes. Thunder Bomber is going to be back. Cruise the Street Stock is going to be back. Super Street going to be back. Mod 4, Econo 4, Extreme 4. They're all there. So you guys, if you're in the Central South Carolina area, come check me out at Sumter Speedway. I would absolutely love to have you. Matt, have you seen anywhere else? Is anywhere else racing this weekend? Is Modoc racing this weekend, Matt? Or, I'm sorry, is Little River racing this weekend, Matt? No, um... I know they had a big super race coming up, but they they canceled it uh, due to some uh, some issues with the actual track. Oh, really? I That's sad. I can't exactly remember what they said was wrong, but you know they were talking about picking getting some of the the concrete barriers up. Oh, and some there was some stuff that they didn't like, and they were gonna address it and get it fixed and hopefully to be able to run soon in the future. And that's a place you, you really enjoyed your time at MODOK but back when it was called MODOK. I'm still going to call it MODOK. I can't get that out of my head, but <laughs> you really enjoyed MODOK. Didn't you, Matt? Yeah, I did it. That track was fun. Um, it, the, the size of the track, it reminds me of Sumter, but a lot less banking. Um, you have the threat of tractor tires there, or ute mm-hmm. tires. <laughs> ute tires. The, the, that's always fun. But, you know, just as the, the, the environment of the track in a whole, too, it, there, you know, it, the pits are always, every time I went, the pits were always packed. And the, the parking along the fence of the track was packed. You know, people camping out, uh, got their tents, their pop-up tents. <clears throat> They got their grills going. They got the music playing. They got you know side by sides running all over the place. Cars everywhere. I mean it. It's a it's a fun environment to be in. Um, the the tracks tracks fun to race on. Um, people I race with fun to race with as well. So I mean it's something I hate to see because. Like I stated in a previous episode, they they cut the six oh fours out. They're not going to be running those anymore. But you know, it stuff like that happens, I guess. Time for you to drop down and get a six oh two, Matt. Well, <laughs> there again, there's variables there, man. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to get a whole entire new shock package. Yeah, you know? but it, I almost wish they would just give a weight break for the people with the non-adjustable shocks. Sure. Like make us way heavier. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. That, that, that would make sense. Um, but I, there's going to be people that don't like it. There's going to be people that complain no matter which way you go. So always that that's with everything in racing. I feel like it would just be best to stay where I'm at for now. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I agree with you. There's there's a lot of uh, racing that you can do with the 604 right now. 
that you can't do with a lot of other things. And there's also racing at places you can do with a 602 that you can't do with a 604. So it, it'll, it would go both ways. Um, in a dream world, uh, we'd all just have every motor that we need to do whatever we wanted to whichever weekend we wanted to do it on. Well, but in, in a dream that's world, not reality, well, you know. In a dream world, we we'd all have the money to buy brand new Longhorns rockets and uh, Clemens CVR. motors, Vic Hill motors, CVR. Cornette motors. <laughs> CVR race cars are the future. I'm telling you this now. Mark my words. CV, CVR race cars are going to take over. I'm gonna tell you what chassis having a lot of luck this year. A lot of good uh, outings. Capital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of win- feature winners being you know capitals this year. Capitals, CVRs are on the come up. Long, obviously, Longhorns are still the top echelon right now. Rockets uh, a, cl- a very close second. Like they're neck and neck, dude. You got to admit, they I'd are say neck, neck and neck. neck. They neck are and neck. neck. No, give, they ain't one above the other. I give Longhorn the slight advantage right now. Come on, man. Eh, it just depends on the driver to shot package. You know the track track condition. What up? What you know? The other people are doing. Yeah, it's got a lot. A lot in sure. it. Yeah, but as as far as cars go, you're not going to find better than rockets or Longhorns or CVRs or I, I'm waiting to see the, a resurgence in like Masters built and cars like that or Black Diamonds. Wait, waiting to see those those resurgences too, or even Schwartz. Dude, there's so many chassis brands that have potential, and I think personally, CVR is the next big thing to uh, to come up in the dirt late model world. Um, and you can never count out like Kryptonite cars and. Even lasers. If lasers got back yeah. to prominence, those those cars used to dominate. And again, we don't even talk about much. Barry Wright cars. Those, GRT. Bar- GRT cars, too. Yeah, Barry Wright cars were so dominant for so long, and now all of a sudden, it's like they have been forgotten about, and that's very unfortunate. But I hope there's prominence found once again with, uh, with Barry Wright cars. We're kind of rambling here. We're running close to, to the end of the show, guys. Um so yeah, just a little recap. A lot of drama last weekend in the dirt racing world, whether it be at Lakeview, Sumter, or anywhere else. Brandon Shepard news, um, the news about Volunteer. Unfortunately, if uh, if we covered it, they they closed down once again. Um, yeah, a, lo- a lot of what's that? One of one of the off topic uh, subjects I want to talk about before we do end this thing out is you were talking about car counts a lot this episode. Of yes. one thing that I find I find I found super impressive. Friendship Speedway. Yes. Elk in North oh, Carolina. Yeah. Yes, a yes, yes, regular yes. Saturday night show found nineteen six oh four late models and twenty three six oh two late models. So yep. outstanding car counts for, for and those not to two count their, their other classes too yeah their other classes were huge too friendship yeah. has always had a fantastic car count and that's just props to those guys i mean even sumter had a great car count lakeview had a great car count like i said in the last episode car counts are up and it's surprising to me but i'm absolutely loving seeing it oh yeah so yeah i hope i hope that stays the same as we move into uh, this week and uh, the future for racing in the Carolinas. Um, and just another another topic before we close out the show, let's talk a little iRacing, Matt. We hadn't we didn't talk about it in the last episode. Um, we, we need to talk about it just a little bit. Uh, of course, I've been racing with the both the uh, PRO Soundwinder Series and the Bluegrass Dirt Lamp Model Series 
on, yeah, uh, let's, on iRacing. Let's talk about oh, your yeah. uh, race let's last talk, Thursday. Yeah, how, let's how talk did that about go? Oh, gosh. Let's talk about the race last Thursday, man. Oh, my Lord. So I come out. I, I didn't get to qualify, unfortunately. So that kind of put me in a bind. I finished, I think it was fifth in a heat race at Fairbury, mind you. At Fairbury, I'm... I, li- I usually like my chances running the cushion at Fairbury, and I liked them in this race. Uh, but And early on in the, the heat race, I was able to get up on the cushion, make a couple passes, and uh, not finish dead last in the heat race again. So that put me like ninth in a B main, I think. And in 12 laps in a B main, I was able to come all the way up to second. And that was... B main hard charger. B main, def- definite B main hard charger. I think I started, um, what would it have been, 10th or 11th in the feature. and somewhere around there. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere around there. And off the gun, charging hard, but there was a caution at like lap four. I made it up to, I think, 8th at that point. Um, restart, gain a position, another caution. Restart again, gain a position, another caution. Found myself in the 5th spot and like on a restart on lap 5 or 6, I think. And then coming to the green flag on the next restart, I don't know who it was. I don't remember at this point in time, but I got hooked when we fired. Me and the guy to the outside of me fired pretty much at the same time, but he came down just a little bit and caught my right rear, and I I jerked the wheel to the left to try to save it, but around in front of the entire field I went, um, and that knocked my... Knocked my steering off by a good little bit. I had a, a massive toe out, and just from there, limped home. I think I finished like 16th or 17th. So not at all the night that I wanted. I needed a really good run to uh, get into the playoffs. If I could have picked up, I think, like three or four more playoff uh, or uh, standing spots, I would have made the round of 16. But unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards. So, I mean, it is what it is. I still... Still get to race with them for the rest of the season. Four more events, four more Thursday nights for that. And you can check that all out on Ultimate Dirt TV. Um, you can watch your boy race. Um, I'm trying to get a, a new Dirt Lake model wrap for the, for the game so you guys can can see that a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, not the night that I was looking for Thursday at all, Matt. At all. And uh, I, I remember you you weren't even in there at the time. You come into the call after it's over. You said, so what happened? And I very plainly said, yeah, I got dumped. And uh, and I was very upset with myself and with the situation. I said a couple of choice words I won't repeat. But uh, yeah, that was my Thursday, man. Um, so you're welcome. Well, I mean, from from what I saw after you got you know, your front end knocked out, it you know I saw you you didn't really get into the wall that much. So I mean, no, that, I'm that I'm, wasn't I'm bad good about that. But the the problem was with a. With a very offset wheel after the after the the wreck, I wasn't able to find the groove at all. You know, it took me like fifteen laps just to get a handle on it. And once I did that, I was key. I I got I let the leader the front two cars by, and then pulled up behind him and kept up with him. You know, oh, yeah. so that that kind of gave me a confidence boost, knowing that I could still keep up with these guys, sort of, with a beat up race car. And gives me confidence for this week at Cedar Lake, which is another track that's sort of similar, but a little more sweeping rather than the the hair, the hairpin type turns that uh, Fairbury has. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to iRacing this Thursday night. I hope you guys check that out. 
on Ultimate Dirt TV. Come in the chat and cheer on your boy as we uh, try to take the 62-3 through the field to a victory at Cedar Lake. Um, other than that, I think that about does it for racing in the Carolinas this week. Matt, you got anything else to add before we uh, wrap up this episode? Yeah, I got one last thing. I want to apologize if this episode isn't, you know, as sound like it is as well prepared as the previous two have been. Um, we we're recording this Tuesday night. We usually do it on Wednesday night, but this Wednesday, I, I tomorrow, I do have um some things going on, and I won't be able to record tomorrow night. So I kind of had to force Ryan to let's do it tonight. And like I said, we weren't. We weren't that prepared for it, but well, to, to make up for it, I gave them twenty minutes over the uh, the original time, so I think they'll be all right. They heard us talk oh, for, yeah. for uh, for twenty extra minutes here about all of the the great racing. So uh, yeah, guys, we do apologize that it was a little scattered at the beginning of the episode. We brought it back together. Had a this one, this one felt pretty good. Um, and then a big reminder: you can you can uh, follow. Follow along with the my Facebook page. You can look it up, Talking Dirt on Facebook. You can check that out. Look at all my older videos. I did a lot of interviews back in the day. I'm looking to uh, to get back into that with actual interviewing podcasts. I'm gonna probably start a second series here in the near future if I can work that all out. But we'll always have Talking Dirt with Ryan Williams and Matt Pridgen right here every single Thursday wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, including Apple Apple Podcast. I'm working on getting us on Spotify, got us on Amazon, trying to get us on Google. Uh, we're all over Podbean, so you guys continue to check this out, share it with all your friends, and and let everybody know that uh, the Talking Dirt is the real deal. And we're also looking for guests for the future. If anybody wants to, uh, to any any racers out there want to be a guest on Talking Dirt, um, whether in person or via call with me and Matt, uh, do let us know, and we'll try to accommodate most of you guys if if we can do that. But for this episode, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna leave it at that. And guess what, guys? Next Thursday we'll be back at you with another recap of some insane racing from around the Carolinas. Y'all, make sure to tune into this one because this weekend looks like it's gonna be a blast. Talking dirt out. We'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>